In this episode, I'm joined by the fabulous Andy Laparta of Connected Leadership fame. It's about how to build, nurture and leverage professional relationships. Yeah. You know, with the help of other people, whatever you're trying to achieve becomes so much easier. I'm sure we're going to get a ton of really valuable insights and input today. And I'm thrilled to have Andy on the show. So come join us after the intro. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. So I'm joined today by the fabulous Andy Lopata of Connected Leadership fame. And Andy is a fellow podcaster, author and speaker. And he's one of Europe's leading authorities on building, nurturing and leveraging professional relationships. I'm sure we're going to learn a ton of impactful strategies today and grab some great networking tips too. So uh, professional relationships underpin so much in terms of business success, yet a few people or businesses really focus on how to build and grow relationships. So I'm thrilled to have Andy on the show so we can get into why making connections matter and how to leverage your relationships. So welcome, Andy, and welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast. You're our very first guest. So thank you so much for saying yes to my invitation. I know it was a bit of a tight time frame to get this organized. So welcome. What an honor. No, I'm, I'm happy to join and happy to help. Great, great. So, I mean, it sounds obvious that relationships are important in business, as in all aspects of life and career. But I know there's so much more to it than we think. So I'd like to focus first on how to make the relationships you do have work brilliantly for you in your business and then how you can grow and leverage these connections and networks most effectively. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. So, I mean, tell us a bit about your background. But I guess what I'm asking is not so much what you do, but how did you get into the area of, of your work in terms of, of helping people build great relationships? Well, I, I've been involved in the fields of networking and, and professional relationships for 21 years now. And, um, you know, as befits what I do, it came through a, a, a network, <laughs> effectively, <laughs> and, and the closest ones you could possibly get because I joined my dad's business. Um, so I, I, I sort of jumped from job to job in my 20s, And then I I quit the corporate world to become a freelance writer, said I could never work for anyone else again. And and my dad, six months before, had co-founded a business network and he asked me to come in and and help. Uh, And that's how I got into it. And and we ran the network together with our business partner for seven years uh, and launched our own. But that was... um, not the right thing to do let's just put it that way and uh, then for the last 12 years 13 years I've been working with corporates I've been speaking and talking about initially networking but I I pivoted or repositioned it uh, to professional relationships last year because people when people hear the term networking they think of networking events or maybe LinkedIn 
and, and what I was teaching was so much more than that. It, it was about the relationships that you forge, as you just said, the relationships you've already got. You don't need to go to a networking event to meet someone you already know. Um, but they're as important, if not more so, in what you're trying to achieve and in helping you. So uh, we really I repositioned what I was doing uh, around that stage. Yeah, because I was struck by the fact that you say um, building, nurturing and leveraging is sort of yeah. three stages almost. So I'd like to dig into that a little bit um, as we as we go through our conversation. I think that's really mm. interesting. So, I mean, how would your friends and family then describe what you do for a living? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> expletives removed um, <laughs> that's a really interesting question actually I think most people get it most people understand some people might talk more about how I deliver it than what I deliver so they might know I'm a speaker yeah. uh, they may know um, that I've written books they probably will know that I've written books um, it, it's, it's very interesting that I'm a member of the Professional Speaking Association and have been for a very long time um, and, and I tend not to call myself a speaker. It's something that I do, um, but you can fall into that. But it, yeah. it's occurred to me I never call myself an author, and yet my fifth book is about to come out. Um, but I think they would know those two things. And then in terms of understanding the content of what I do, it would depend on the, the amount of interest they show in it, to be honest. Um, so I think it's more likely that they would talk about how I deliver it yeah. more than the content of what I do. I think there's a lesson in there for all of us, actually, is uh, not to put ourselves in boxes and labels um, because we talk a lot about the result that you help people get. And I think that's very much been the focus of certainly the story you've just told about your trajectory. Yeah. And, and in fact, when I've looked through your, your books um, and I've read the, the most recent one, um, in fact, your story is, is almost in the titles of those books as they've come through, isn't it? What, what's the focus of your Connected Leadership book, particularly at the moment, that's just out? Well, you've really talked about it. It's about how to build, nurture and leverage professional relationships, particularly with an eye on leaders and aspiring leaders. And how, you know, going back to that word networking, it's often thought of in terms of business development. And in fact, my book before that uh, was subtitled How to Sell Through Networking and Referrals. So it's very much BD focused. But what I found that in a lot of my work, uh, over recent years is that while I do work with sales teams, I also work with people who don't have that the same responsibility. And yet the lessons I teach are equally applicable to them yeah. because our relationships can help us in so many more ways. They, they help us win a promotion. They help us get a job done more effectively. They help us introduce change into an organization. And if you look at the role of a leader and you look at the challenges that leaders face, and I've just mentioned some of them, professional relationships underpin all of them. And you'll have yeah. seen that at the beginning of the book. Yeah. You know, with the help of other people, whatever you're trying to achieve becomes so much easier. And that's really the core message uh, of the book. And then it's a question of, uh, you know, you mentioned the three stages. How do you build the right networks? What's the right mix in terms of your mindset and approach? How do you nurture the relationships you already have or the relationships once you've met the right people? And then the leverage piece. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to go out and meet new people and build relationships with them. But if you're not willing to ask them for the help you need, yeah. you're not going to get that support. So how can you do that confidently and comfortably and in a way that makes it easy for people to help you? Yeah. And it, it's, it's actually, it, 
it occurred to me that it wasn't just about assuming that you know people would kind of return a favor but actually asking for the the help mm. and being comfortable and confident with that those those are definitely key messages that come out uh, from me from what you're saying now and and from your book and in fact you've interviewed so many people uh, so many leaders in your podcast already um i'm very impressed um how you rally all these people around i mean how have you got all these great connections with these leaders to get them on your podcast you'd be worried if i didn't wouldn't you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I what i teach uh, yeah. it, 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 i mean i'm 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 delighted with the start we've made. You know, in the first two months of the podcast, I've got an Olympic bronze medalist. I have a Forbes and Harvard Business Review and Psychology Today uh, contributor. I've got an astronaut came out this week, Charlie Kamada. Um, and, and that's a fascinating interview. He talks about, he, he was on the backup crew for Columbia, which was the mission where the seven astronauts died right, uh, when yeah. the shuttle exploded on, on, on re-entry. Uh, and he was backup crew for that. And he went up on the next mission and he, he pulls no punches in terms of the arrogance he sees in NASA's response to, to the, to the um, disaster. So it's fascinating. You know, I felt yeah. like a, a, a grown-up Radio 4 journalist. Wow. <laughs> yeah, really interesting um, stuff. Uh, and yeah, and, and so we've got, you know, we, there's this range of fantastic guests, the former CEO of Porsche and BMW. Mm. And how do, I, how do I have those people? Mainly because uh, I've met them over the years and I stayed in touch. In other words, uh, I've applied the lessons that I, I, I teach in the book. Uh, there are some people like Charlie the astronaut who I've met recently. So we were on the same Zoom panel together. I, I he said some things that resonated with what I talk about and had been talking about. I was the special guest for the panel, if you like. It's a weekly thing in New York, um, and I just dropped him an email the next day and said, you know, I was really interested in what you said about X and Y. Would you be interested in coming on? And he said, I love what you said. Yes, let's do it. And yeah. But we have built a relationship since. I've talked yeah. to him about his publishing options because he wants to write three books. Uh, I've made introductions for him. So we have accelerated that connection very quickly. So yeah. he talked benefit. about... Yeah, well, one of the things he talked about on the panel that we talk about on the podcast as well and, and that triggered my response is he, he talks about having a friends of Charlie network. Uh, and, and we talk about that on the podcast and he said to me, you know, I count you now as well. And that's because yeah. I didn't just ask him for something, do it and forget about it, but we've developed a relationship and that's key. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's two sides. There's one is about keeping the contact, keeping it alive, if you like, um, even if it's, you know, not that regular, but at least, you know, not that frequent rather, but it is regular. And then obviously being opportunistic about jumping on, on some new people, if you like. Sorry, that sounds a bit, bit of a wrong metaphor, really. But, um, but yeah, to, just taking the opportunity to think, wow, that person really fits into what I'm trying to do here. So, uh, okay, so you've been at it for years. You've got all these great connections. What's your best advice for someone who's starting out with building professional relationships or, or leveraging their network, or if they need to get back into it? Well, well, actually, you know, I just wanted to say to what you just said, and if this goes to the answer to this question, is the example I gave you with Charlie, I had something specific to ask him in the moment, but that's not what I would normally teach. I think that was relevant in the moment, okay. and it was okay to ask that. But my advice to people just starting out or getting back into it, or even if you're, you have the network but you meet someone new, is pursue the relationship, not the sale. 
and, and yeah. the sale could mean any number of things, but not the transaction. Um, so just, you know, you recognize someone who might have value to you or with whom you have a rapport or something in common and you recognize that there would be some kind of value and, and sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's a feeling. Um, there will be value one way or the other at some point in your relationship. Have that focus on the medium to long term. You know, when, I, and I, when I, I look at a room when I'm delivering a workshop or a talk and I see a lot of 20 something or 30 something or even 40 something faces in that audience, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll stress how long they have in their career ahead of them. And we're conditioned to look at what we are going to achieve in the next six months yeah. or the next three months. Yeah. You know, if you work for a, a New York stock exchange listed company, you're judged on your quarterly results. So the next three months, um, and that kills good relationship building. So my advice would be focus on the long term. find people who, you know, in the book, I talk about blended mindset and you kindly left a review uh, of the book on Amazon where you, this jumped out for you, I noticed. Um, but it's about the mindset we take into building relationships and how much we focus strategically and how much we focus relationally. That was my and next question. <laughs> well, because it is that. I know people want a quick win. So yeah. I think yeah. it's quite hard to hear, especially if you're looking at leveraging your business and you, you kind of want to feel that you've got a return on investment. So how do you marry the, the distinction you make between being strategic and being relational in a sort of timeline manner? Well, I, I think that there's a couple of things there. The first is that you strike the balance in your mindset and approach. So the strategic approach, and I share it in the book, is understanding where the gaps are in your network and who you need to either build stronger relationships with, who you have strong relationships with, but you're not asking the right questions, or who you need to meet. And in some of those cases, you need to be short-term focused. That's fine, but understand that when you take that short-term approach, you're sacrificing some of the long-term benefits of building a deeper relationship first. Yeah, and you might the come across as being a bit too sort of eager and desperate as well if you, it can if you with that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be. I think if you balance it and if you... Um, if you understand the way you're doing it and you also understand how to commu with, communicate with other people, you can manage a short-term approach without being desperate because it's in the way that you ask as well and it's the questions you pose, the conversations you have. Um, I, I, I had a call with, with um, someone this morning that I've been talking to about a mentoring program and my reason for the call, and he'll have been aware of this, was to get him onto the mentoring program. But, you know, I didn't have to ask because I asked about him. I showed a real interest in where he's at. We talked around the market at the moment and so on. And I just let the conversation flow, ready to ask if he didn't, but he raised it. Yeah. Because I it didn't seemed a natural progression from your conversation. That, exactly. Yeah. Do you, yeah. And, and in one conversation, you can be yeah. patient. Yeah. So in several you can. So, so that's part one of the answers, just balancing those two mindsets. Part two, when, when I, I do a lot of my work with corporates and I will be working with the, the, the senior management who bring me in are looking at their targets and they're looking at their results and saying, how can we improve these now? When they bring me in, I say, you do know my focus is on long-term relationship building. When I'm then working with their teams, I will look at both. And I will say to them, you have to make a choice. So it may well be that you look at these, this group of 
people you want to influence, people you want to engage with, and you identify there are certain people that you feel it's comfortable and appropriate and necessary to take a shorter term approach with and ask for something now, mm-hmm. but there are other people you can take a longer term approach with and just hold back. So you can mix the two in your approach. It doesn't have to be the same way with every person. Yeah, I mean, I work a lot with corporate um, organisations in the non-profit sector and, and mm-hmm. I do a lot of strategic planning with them and they, they still, even though they're looking at sort of like the future <laughs> vision, they still want those quick wins. They still want to identify the low-hanging fruit is a very common term. So, uh, um, I mean, I, I really liked, um, in terms of this sort of relational approach, but um, I liked the story about your backpacking. Mm-hmm. In terms of... Because actually, because me, a lot of what I do is around the digital age, is around leveraging digital technology. And what struck me there was the difference really with the relationships we used to have back in the day when we met people, you know, when we were away on holiday or whatever else. And that those connections often drifted away because it was really hard (laughs) then to keep in contact because you just had a home address and a a landline phone. But now with email and social media, I mean, that really made me realize that you know are we really using the opportunity and so many people shy away from social media but I've definitely found both in my personal life and business that it's it's really nice to to make that relational um, connection with people and you never know what comes out of it so like the person perhaps you had on the phone who went into your mentoring program there's people that are personal connections end up in your business and there's business connections that end up as friends um, I, I really yeah, like absolutely. that. Uh, yeah, you called it insight in mind. So I, I definitely think it's easier to nurture relationships um, from both personal and business point of view now with those kind of social tools. Definitely, the, the insight in mind I think is the most undervalued benefit of social media. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and people who who deride it don't recognise that. But if if you post something, well, you know, we've never met. But we have commented on, liked each other's social media posts. Yeah, yeah. We, so we met through membership and connected yeah, from there. Through and, membership. Yeah, membership. But then we yeah. connected on Facebook and, yeah. and a comment we on LinkedIn. But you, I know you've engaged with a number of my posts about my podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And so that's made me recognise you as someone who supports what I do um, and made me feel like I know you when I don't. That's yeah. that's insight in mind it's a kind um, of like-mindedness isn't it which i'm always sort of on the, on the search for when i make those connections so um yeah i mean it's probably a little bit of jumping into something else now but i i really wanted to explore to some extent the the you were talking about three things that influence career progression um so you could say business development in, in that sense as well um and harvey coleman's pie model because i thought that was so simple but Performance, image, and exposure, PIE. Um, so how well you do your job is actually only 30% of it. And we're often talking a lot about how good we are and promoting ourselves in our networks. But actually, a lot of it is about working on image and exposure and being very clear and confident in what you do and making sure you're visible. So again, that's one of the ways we met, isn't it? Is, is through make visibility through podcasting. Yeah. Um, but that actually was, in what your words, a whopping 60% um, about who knows yeah. about you, what they think about you, and what they like and value. So what's your experience of, of that in the real world in terms of how people are using that kind of thinking? 
Well, well, first of all, actually, what you do, the performance wasn't 30, it was 10% of, of, of the factors that go into promotion. So the way I describe it is performance is what you do, 10%. Image is what people know about what you do or how they perceive what you do, okay. 30%. Exposure, who knows what you do, 60%. Yeah. And I think you can look at, at that in all facets of professional life. So if, for example, you run a small business, let's say you, um, you write software, um, as an example, your software may be the uh, most dynamic, the most effective, uh, and the most easy to use and user-friendly in its field. It could be phenomenal. But if, if it's not perceived as such, if people don't perceive those benefits, then it's, it's not going to sell. And if no one knows about it or, or, or the key influencers in the market you sell to are unaware of not only of the software, but of that message, then it's not going to get the traction that you're looking for. We talked about it earlier. You say about real world examples. You asked me what my friends and family would say about what I do. And if they just know I'm a speaker, for example, or an author, then they're not going to recognize opportunities for me. If it comes to working with, use an example that we've touched on a lot, a sales team that are looking for more referrals. Mm. So they need to know that I work with sales teams, helping them drive more referrals in order to help me generate that type of referral for myself. With marketing, we talk a lot about um, your message being driven by, I help people too, that it's very results focused, outcomes focused. So it doesn't matter what the vehicle is for how you do that. Um, mm-hmm. That's a sort of a, a, there's lots of different ways, as you say, speaking, writing, um, educating. So uh, A lot of people focus so much on the mechanics of what they do when answering that question, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, well, I talk about that a lot in my book. So. Mm-hmm. Not no. sticky, it's not transferable. Yeah. Or it may be sticky, but it's not transferable. And, and you need to be both to have a good message. Yeah. So in a sense, you could take that kind of results focus. If you're being very strategic in your relationship building, you could take that results focus. But I think what I'm hearing is that you can't only be focused on what you can get out of the relationship, that sometimes you just got to let it happen. Yeah. The way I would think about it is if you're overly transactional in your relationship building, your network will shrink. People will feel used. They'll feel manipulated. Uh, and, it, and it's not a pleasant experience for you either, depending on your personality type. A lot of people will be very uncomfortable with approaching relationships from that perspective. But the flip side of the coin is equally uh, of no use. And that is you're brilliant at building relationships, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't ask for help. Uh, Dr. Ivan Meisner, who, who founded BNI, which uh, your listeners may be aware of, world's largest referral-focused networks, uh, came up with a process he called VCP. And VCP stands for visibility plus credibility equals profitability. So you get people to know who you are first, then you get them to trust you, then they'll buy from you, refer you, whatever that represents in your world. In his book, Business, Networking and Sex, which is looking at gender in networking, he talks about the difference between men and women. And, and yeah. I, I work with a lot of women's networks in corporates. And, and I, I, I nervously share this because <laughs> I'm talking to a man talking to a room full of women and telling, telling women, you know, how, how they network is a, quite a nerve wracking experience. <laughs> but, you know, each time they laugh along and nod along madly when I share, you know, 
Dr. Ivan Meisen's results. Recognize uh, themselves in it, yeah. Absolutely. And, and what he says the difference between the genders is that men, and I would say it's masculine or feminine traits, yeah. um, but men will go visibility, profitability. And we'll worry about the credibility bit later on, but, oh, you can help me. Let's go straight for the mm-hmm. deal. Uh, the feminine or the female approach is visibility, credibility, 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 credibility. You know, yeah, you know yeah. tell me more about you. How we worry about you? it a lot. <laughs> and never asking for help. Yeah, so yeah. actually you've got two sides of the Hilton. coin. And yeah. that VCP process, I think, creates a nice image of it um, that works for both sides of it. Yeah. So we, we need to... Um, we need to create an approach where we're looking to build relationships. We understand when it's okay to ask for help and we do so. So when I teach referrals, I I suggest to people that they they score um, potential champions, people who can refer them on three scores, willingness to refer, understanding and opportunity. And that willingness to refer or trust that they're interrelated if someone scores four out of 10 for willing to refer you, are you really going to ask for a referral? And if you need to, and, and for referral, read help in any form, you know, information, insight, whatever it might be. If you were to, what quality of support can you expect? Because their heart's not going to be in it. Mm. So it's in your interest, if you can, to be patient and build the relationships that willingness is at eight, nine or 10, because then they'll put their heart and soul into the support that you're seeking. Now, I know, I know we don't always like to come down to numbers, but that actually that, that sort of a scoring system, it really does help because um, as you know, I'm all about leverage. Um, this is the leverage business podcast. So it, it is about where to spend your time and, and energy as well in terms of, of picking and choosing the, the right relationships to, to build in the first place, the right ones to nurture um, and the, the timing, if you like, for when to leverage those, those connections. Closely related, and, and, and given what you've just said, I think you'll like this. I, I also have a model. I, it is in the book, actually, so you will have seen it. I have a model called the influence map. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's my twist on stakeholder mapping. But with the influence map, you look at, there's a key person you need to influence. You, you need them to hear about you, to know about you. They're the key decision maker, for example. And you map out all the people who influence them. And you might go to two degrees of separation. And then for each person there, similarly to to the referral approach, you score them on three areas. And they're very similar scores. So the scores are, how well do you know them? How well do you um, understand what's important to them? And how influential are they? And what's interesting when I do this with groups is you see maps come up people where they have really strong relationships. So how well do you know them is eight out of 10? How influential are they is three. And yet other people where how well do you know them is three out of 10? How influential are they is nine or 10? It's a bit like that that impact and probability kind of method, isn't it? And I I know some of us like that mechanics because it does help us to be more strategic, but I keep coming back to the fact that you're, you're telling us, um, balance is you know get get the balance right so um, that's, that's and, and you can do this homework in the background you can understand where are you not building the right relationships i'm not saying discard people because they're not useful to you that would never be my approach but you can understand where you've either and i think i touched on this earlier you've either got relationships with people but they could be deeper you've got deep relationships with people but you're not asking the right questions 
or you've not got the right relationships. So you do that homework, you recognize where you build the relationship. And then when you go ahead and meet the right people or deepen the relationship, you do it from a human to human perspective. So in the way you engage with them, you're completely authentic and you're completely natural. And that's what makes what I teach so difficult because what I do is I take something that should be natural and authentic and I mm. break it down into what's effective. Now your job is to take that away and then put it back together again, like reassembling a, a kit yeah, yeah, model. Yeah, yeah. Car, uh, but so that everything works smoothly, which means that when, when, when I deal with you, you get no feeling that I might, might have identified. I should be, I should build a deeper relationship with you yeah. in the back. You feel it's natural because it is. But it is great to have those kind of tools. So, I mean, definitely I would say to uh, listeners here to go check out the book um, and do some of those exercises because I think you'll be amazed at what can come out of it. And that's definitely what I'm going to do once I get my podcast launched. <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, those are the sort of things that I think can really give your business a great boost. Um, Andy, can I come back now to looking at... Um, you talk about speaking because you do a lot of speaking and obviously with what's happened in 2020 um it's a lot tougher now to get speaking gigs obviously and there's a huge number of conferences which just aren't happening and happening virtually but what what are you and, and others who do a lot of speaking engagements who or who get business from their face-to-face networking what are you doing at the moment then to leverage audiences and position yourself in this new virtual world of business if you like well, I think many of us have adapted quite quickly. Those of us who speak a lot will have delivered talks uh, over Zoom or, or, or similar platforms in the past. I certainly have done. Um, it, it never been my preferred way, but it, I, I, I've, I've done that. So I've been able to adapt quite quickly. I've, I've invested in some new technology just to up the game a little bit. Um, but I, I've, you know, it, it's not been what I would call seamless, but it is some, a relative comfort zone. Um, in terms of leveraging it, particularly, because I think there's two questions there. One is if you have a speaking business, how do you adapt? And that's a choice. I know some people who have gone the full hog. I am a remote speaker. They've got remote speaker certification. Um, they, their LinkedIn profile will talk about it. Their marketing will talk about it. I've chosen to do none of that. I'm doing a lot of remote speaking because that's how... I can reach my clients and their audiences. Um, but that's just come from natural conversation with those clients. And when I get approached, can I speak? It, it will be, I know now it will be a virtual event more often than it will be a physical event yeah. for the moment. In terms of how do you leverage your network better? Uh, and this is something that I work, I, this is most of my work with clients at the moment or a lot of it. I think there's a couple of things. It's easy to say, just reach people on Zoom uh, or Teams or yeah, whatever they yeah. use. There, there, is, there are elements of truth to that. And there are advantages in the fact that people have less travel between meetings and also to and from work. Um, therefore, they have more time at their desk. Therefore, in theory, they've got more time uh, to, to speak on video conference. And in theory, when you speak on a video call, you're, you're seeing each other, which is much better than a phone call. I stress in theory on both because we all know what happens when there's vacant time in our diary, it gets filled. So people are still really busy and I still have clients I can never reach. Um, and in terms of the benefits of video conferencing over calling, 
two things. One, I think people are getting Zoom fatigue and we're getting very tired with it. And, and secondly, since we started talking and certainly since we started recording uh, on the video of, of this podcast, I've not looked you in the face once. Hopefully it feels like I've been looking you in the eyes the whole time. Oh, it does, yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking at the camera. To do that, to achieve that impression, I have to look at the camera. So for me, it's quite tiring because I'm looking at a green dot the whole time and I want to look at you. So we can't make two-way eye contact. You know, the person who can make this technological breakthrough will be a genius and will be a billionaire very quickly because we we can't get the benefits of eye-to-eye contact on virtual calls the way we can uh, face-to-face and we lose all the nuances of body language as well. So I don't think it's as great an advantage uh, as before. And because of the the amount of Zoom calls and Teams calls, um, people actually appreciate a phone call. Now, you know, when I can get on the phone, I can walk around. I was going to say my office, I say my home now, (laughs) but I can can walk around um, and stretch my legs and... I like that. You know, I, I've, I've just had a phone call with a, a client I'm delivering for tomorrow. I, I, I dropped my car off for a service. I phoned him when I walked back, you know, and just walk and talk. Um, trying not to be that annoying person who walks, talks really loudly. Um, <laughs> but I think that, so my, my key um, recommendation is disrupt. And I know it's a bit of a cliched word, mm-hmm. but disrupt the way people are communicating with others. So if they're on Zoom the whole day, phone them. If they're on the phone the whole day, text them. You know, WhatsApp messages, LinkedIn messages. Find out different people will respond to different channels of communication. Use all of them uh, and you'll find what suits people the best. So that would be a key one for me. The other key thing that I've learned, particularly over the course of, of lockdown, is the importance of empathy. And it's important the whole time, but this is really drilled at home. When you're talking to people on Zoom, on Teams particularly, you don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. I delivered uh, a talk, um, a a two-hour session to clients less than 12 hours after my father died. No, only the the client on that call knew and no one would have known. Um, So you can imagine what was going on in my head. We had a 10-minute break. And I nipped to the loo and then I had eight minutes and I didn't want to turn on my phone or anything else. Cause I knew it would just be messages about my dad and I didn't want to disrupt my mind. So I had eight minutes of silence and I had to go back onto the court. My head was just all over the place. And that's quite an extreme example. No one would have known by the way, in the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an extreme example, but you don't know if the person you're talking to has a parent or a family member who's ill, has COVID, for example, that wasn't what happened with my dad, but has COVID and they're worried about their health or they've just lost them. You don't know if they or their uh, children or their spouse or someone else close to them has, um, is facing furlough or redundancy or runs, you know, talking, you know, in the UK now, a hospitality business, you know, they've got all the uncertainty, the today as we speak you, you don't know what's going on and I think that empathy is so important and mm. taking time to find the relationship elements of the call find the time to say how are you and mean yeah. it 
yeah. and seek the answer rather than just saying, right, I need you to do this. I need to do that. Are you ready to buy? Are you ready to do this? Find that. People remember that, don't they? They definitely, they often, people don't remember what you, what you say or do. It's about how you make them feel. Yeah. Um, And I've been saying throughout lockdown that people will remember how you treat them in lockdown for the rest of your time together. Yeah. It's interesting because with my strategic marketing hat on, we, we talk a lot in relationships about the no like trust continuum. Mm. Um, and I liked in your book when you, you took that further um, with support and advocate. And why I particularly like that is because one of the things that I do a lot of is evaluation of um, outcomes. <laughs> so when you're looking at professional relationships and building them, nurturing them, leveraging them, um, I'm always looking for the kind of metrics that people should be using. So, you know, how do you measure if someone knows you? How do you measure if they like you or trust you? Um, but you can definitely see as you went back with your, with your um, numeric system to model how willing they are to help you. You can definitely measure whether they support and advocate for you. Um, so I, I, kind of, that, that comes together quite nicely. Yeah. And when I teach that individually, I'll go on intuition because I think everyone has a different measure of it. So if you're trying to score how willing someone will be to, to help you, put yourself in their shoes when you ask and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily, funnily, you should mention it because I had an email this morning from um, an associate and friend of mine in Australia, Vanessa Hall. And Vanessa wrote the book, The Truth About Trust in Business. And she's designed... Um, a metric to measure trust yeah um, wow. very similar to the net promoter score but one for trust and um, I mean that's very new I you know she's she emailed me this morning to say do you think this would you know there would be interest for this in the UK and I said I actually think that there's clients of mine where it will be a very good fit so send me some more information yeah. so uh, you know that will be interesting to see what Vanessa's come up with to measure trust in that sense at the moment I look at intuition and instinct so it'll be interesting to see if there is, is. a more scientific way of doing it and superficially on facebook we have a lot about you know how many likes or comments you get so and they talk about engagement metrics um and i think it's the authenticity isn't it of of what's underneath that really as to whether or not it um helps your business um helps your life and your your sort of sense of connection with people um short term and long term um in that sense uh, I, yeah. I, there was always someone in my network and, and it will vary you know they, they might do it for six months they may do it for six years um that there's always at least one person who will like everything i post <laughs> and 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 that becomes tiresome because you know they're not looking yeah there's um, no granularity there yeah. well, well particularly when you post a six minute video and they've liked it within 30 seconds and it's lovely because it's lovely in a sense because you understand why and yeah, you understand yeah, yeah. that they're supporting what they're you're just doing. a super fan <laughs> but it's hard to be churlish about that but at the same time meaningful means something if that doesn't sound yeah, yeah. right no it, it doesn't at all and i think i mean on your website uh, andylaparta.com um which i dived into obviously in preparation for yeah. speaking with you you said connecting is not enough and i think in a way we've touched on this throughout the throughout the um, discussion but i mean what would you sort of say you mean by that exactly is it some of these points or is there an extra dimension to that well i mean that's my that's been my business strapline for many years now and where it came from is is the people on linkedin who play clicking games 
you know, click to connect, click to accept. Oh, look, my network's just got bigger. From a marketing perspective, where you get more reach for your message, then there's an argument for that. But from a networking relationship perspective, it's pointless. And, yeah. and one of the stories I tell is I went to Singapore a few years ago and I was into, in, introduced to uh, a client's um, former neighbour who lives out there. And she said, oh, go, go and meet. Was, we were looking at potential business opportunities. And he invited me over for, for a barbecue. And his wife was telling me, now his wife was also in business and funnily enough, um, knew about me before she heard I was coming because she works for BP and I've done a video training course for wow. <laughs> my videos, which gave me a little celebrity moment. It was very nice. But um, they'd, they'd seen me post on LinkedIn a lot about my dislike of this um, click exchange. And Nikki said that when her daughter Chloe was two, Nikki had left her iPad open on LinkedIn. And Chloe, seeing this shiny, gleamy thing in the corner, went along, picked it up and went, click, 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 connect, 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 yeah, connect. Yeah. And I said, did any of those people accept? And she said, yes. <laughs> I, I can picture people going, I've got another connection. She works at BP, not knowing it was a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the point of connecting is not enough because I could click to connect with you. You can click to accept. We can never communicate. And unless you look at the marketing perspective on LinkedIn in that you'll see my updates and your network might see them if you like them, from a genuine relationship standpoint, there's no value in that, that exchange of yeah, clicks. that's really and interesting. It's, it's conversations more than just connections. It's layers, that. isn't it? And I, mm. I sort of, I, I'm very visual and I just see these sort of circles and like an yeah. onion and then layers and building this out. So I think, you know, going back to one of our first questions about how would you set off building relationships? You mm. start on that inside and you identify some um, first steps um, and then you just keep doing a sort of regular activity that builds it out um, and you start to see this thing bloom and obviously not an onion <laughs> it's going to be one of petals on a flower shall we say what um, i might be picturing is the seven stages of relationships that you just possibly, talked about possibly oh, a well, the diagram for that is a side section of an onion but i start with, <laughs> you start in the outer layer and move your way into the, ah, inner, circle, the inner circle of someone's yeah. network cool. uh, and that's where your friends so what would you summarise then as being the three most important things that you've learned about leveraging relationships, networks, connections, or that you teach, I suppose, in that respect as well? Yeah, I, I, number one would be if, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I don't think I've ever really phrased it that way myself, but it's a well-known saying, but you have to be willing to ask. And that means getting over yourself, you know, getting past those limitations we impose on ourselves that say, I don't want to be a burden or I don't want to look weak or they don't want to help me. And, and in the book, I talk about those. Um, but actually ask. The second part, which is related to that, is when you ask, your number one job is to make it as easy as possible for people to help you. And what too many people do is they put the onus on the person they're asking to do the work. Um, the classic example is, do you know anyone who, and I say, mm -hmm. anyone will get, you no one, your job is to paint a picture in people's minds of the person you want to meet or the, the advice, the information that you're looking for, or the company you want to work for or whatever yeah. it might be. So I saw on LinkedIn, someone in my network posted recently, I'm looking for a job. If you know anyone who's recruiting and my comment was, can you be specific about the sector and the role and be as 
clear as possible what you're looking for so the first one is to actually ask the second is to make it as easy as possible and and the third i think is to make people feel good about helping you and not feel taken for granted and that means consistent feedback gratitude uh, and even if it doesn't work out letting people know what happened and why and keeping them mm. in the loop absolutely key that's great advice absolutely great advice thank you so my punch question i'm asking all my expert guests it, it may follow from what you've just highlighted if you had a superpower you could use to create leverage in your business what would you choose if i had a superpower i would be able to instantly know who knew the person i wanted to meet or influence well enough and, and that would save me some some time researching or <laughs> trying my luck excellent but, it, to me you know too many people waste their time cold calling when before looking to their network to see if they've got the connection they need they just um, sort of speed up the research process and speed up the research process know who to ask for which connection and how well they knew them so i guess one of the things we can look at in a future episode would be how to speed up the research process definitely okay. and, and uh, start with people who are experts in linkedin Yes. <laughs> I mean, Andrew, there are so many other things I could ask you, but um, we've, we've taken up uh, quite a lot of time already. And uh, you've given us some fantastic insights and ideas uh, for people to take away here. I've loved exploring these, uh, these things with you. Is there any parting wisdom you want to leave that we haven't sort of covered already? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you, you've, you've talked a lot about um, connected leadership and thank you for, 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 for mentioning the book. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I do have another book coming out at the end of the year um, called Just Ask, which goes to, you know, the, the, the question you just asked me. Um, so if, if, you know, stuff we haven't touched upon or, or we've touched very lightly upon that, I think is really, really important that the whole um, principle of Just Ask is that your greatest strength comes from the people around you, but you need to ask for help. And yeah. you know, we, we hear more and more stories in the press these days about um, suicide rates, depression, mental health issues. Um, and a lot of that is because people feel alone or unable to share. Uh, and I think one of the most important things I would share is it's another way of leveraging your network yeah. is leveraging network for the help you need. Never feel that you're on your own. Never feel that you can't do something or you don't know the answer yeah. and you can't show weakness. Build a trusted network around you of people that you can turn to without fear of being judged and just say, I don't know. Can you help me? And, and it, it's, it's closely related to what we've been talking yeah, about and it's sort of it to the next stage, but that that's where I would, um, I would like people's, I, I guess, thought processes to, to then move. I think one of the questions that I kind of skipped over because of the time we mm. ran out of time really uh, was about loneliness in lead, in leadership. Yeah. So not just about connections for building your business and potentially finding clients, but the kind of networking and nurturing relationships that help you personally um, yeah. And obviously mentoring and masterminding spring to mind. Um, and I certainly um, haven't done enough of that lately. Um, and I should have done during lockdown because you can start to sort of impact on yourself. So that's a great, that's a great tip. Um, so uh, you've just mentioned a new book coming out. Where are the best places that people can go and check you out or get in contact? Because there's obviously there's a lot of different ways in which they can uh, tap into your knowledge around this area. 
Yeah, well, I, I would say for the books, it, it's it's the major sites. Um, same with the podcast. Um, we do we do distribute and sell the books ourselves but to be honest it's a lot easier for you and it's a lot easier for us to go to amazon barnes and noble etc just search on your name yeah well i'll put some of those links as well in the in the show notes so that people can uh, get to you quite easily and definitely tune into andy's podcast because i'm really enjoying these interviews i thought they were a bit long at first but actually um i'm just so enjoying them you know you don't want them to stop i mean it's a bit like this interview it's gone on a little bit longer than i'd intended because there's so many different avenues that we could explore with this and so many different layers we we go for the we we go for the 45 minute monday interview and the 15 minute thursday one so people have got their choice with the same guest but different question so people have got their choice Uh, and and then getting in touch with me generally the beauty of my surname you've shared the website already i'm sure it'll be in the show notes the beauty of my way of my surname is once you know how to spell it i'm not hard to find (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so definitely go over there leave a comment let us know your thoughts on all of this and uh, check out the andylaparta.com website and i'm sure we can get to everything else from there as well so um Thank you so much. I've, I've definitely enjoyed listening, uh, listening to your insights here as well and learned a lot myself, so I'm sure listeners have too. And uh, maybe down the line, we can get you back again to talk about Just Ask and uh, have more to. things that explore leveraged business matters. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for your time. I've really enjoyed it. Wow, what a great interview that was. That was absolutely packed with some amazing insights and some fabulous advice too. I'll be definitely listening to this again. It was superb. Thank you very much, Andy Laparta, for joining me and hope to get you back on the show very soon. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.